Well, we are continuing our um, message series on the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're talking about goodness. In uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, Paul uh, lists the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we're talking about goodness. And goodness is something that we all long for, uh, to be a good person, to be known for our goodness. And there's a reason for that. Um, We were created in the image of a good God. And we were meant to be like him. It's built into us. But this desire to be good uh, and the recognition that from time to time, We actually do good things, and we feel pretty good about that, can sometimes trip us up. And so I want to take a few minutes and talk about the kind of goodness that Paul is not talking about in this passage in an effort to make sure that no one misses out on having the kind of goodness that Paul is talking about. And the goodness that Paul is talking, not talking about here is the kind of goodness that we produce on our own in an effort to win God's approval. And it seems like the more and more that I talk about talk with people outside of the church today about faith, there's this idea that if um, you live a good life and are pretty much uh, all-around good per- person, then that's enough to get you into the pearly gates or into eternal life. And the difficulty is that our goodness measure uh, can be faulty. And I want to give you kind of an example of how this works. This is a story from uh, my life. Uh, Forrest and I used to play co-ed softball together. I loved to play softball uh, when I was younger and could run and those kind of things. (laughs) And... um, we used to play in a church softball league, and it was formed by the Baptist church. And in this story, it just happens to be a Baptist church. It could have been a Presbyterian church, or it's nothing against the Baptists, but that's my story. Anyway, uh, so this league was formed by the Baptist church. They made the rules, and um, they had a very large church. And most of their players played for the city league. And one of the rules was it's co-ed ball, but you only had to play two women. And uh, so they would play one at catcher and one at pitcher, and then the rest of the team, you were pretty much playing against the city league ball team (laughs) in the field. And so they almost always won. If it got near the end of the game and they were losing, they would call somebody up and They'd come in at the last minute, you know, and hit a home run over the uh, fence, and they'd win the game. And so whenever our team played their team, it was kind of like the David and Goliath thing, you know. And this one particular year, we had both won our team, our games all year, and the last game of the season was against each other. And um, it came down to the last inning. They were ahead by two runs. And this sounds like a movie, I know, but this is actually true. <laughs> they were ahead by two runs. We had two people on base, and I was up to bat. And, of course, they were like, well, we've got this sewn up. 
And, of course, my only hope was to just not get out so that whoever was following me could hit people in or do whatever they had to do. You know, I didn't want to be the one that lost it all. But uh, so I stepped up to bat, and they pulled their infield in, kind of their outfield in kind of tight, make sure that, you know, it doesn't drop in in front of them and somebody scores, and this would be the last out. It would be all over. And the ball came in kind of high and outside, and I'm a place hitter. And so I put all of my might and all of my, you know, size into hitting the ball, and somehow, in God's good grace, (laughs) I uh, connected with that ball in such a way that it flew right over the top of the right fielder's head. Uh, There we go. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I haven't seen the movie, but... (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, they had just mowed, and it was kind of dry and hard, and so that ball bounced and rolled all the way to the outfield fence. And so, you know, the first runner scored, the second runner scored. I'm rounding third. I see that the guys finally got to the ball because he was pulled practically into first base and had to run all the way out there and get it. He's throwing the ball in. I come in, and I'm safe. And we won the game, and, it, you know, it was like, Yeah. So that was one of those things, like, you know, I couldn't sleep <laughs> that night, you know. You just feel the ball coming off of the bat, you know. And, and for weeks, actually, you just, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're just, yeah. If I were to uh, evaluate my goodness as a softball player on that one hit, boy, you know. You know, it was against the City League, you know. I, I hit a home run against the Men's City League. But see, there was this other time uh, where I got into the batting box, <laughs> and they, their catcher was a woman, of course, and an older woman, kind of like me now. And uh, she said, be careful when you leave the batting box because we just put new sand in, and it's kind of slippery. And I'm thinking to myself, well, and she, she said, I don't want you to fall. I'm thinking to myself, well, you might fall. <laughs> but I'm an athlete. <laughs> I'm a good softball player. I said, I am not going to fall. So I hit the ball. It drops in in front of the outfielder. I take up off out of the batting box and fall flat on my face. <laughs> the guy walks over, steps on first base, and I'm out, you know. I never stayed awake reveling in that moment, you know. <laughs> Just didn't. And many people think that the bottom line is that if we're pretty good, that's good enough, that God judges our goodness on our very best performances. And what we tend to ignore is that the Bible says that our sins, the times that we fell short, separate us from God. And that even though, uh, as much as we would like it to, to be so, our good deeds aren't enough to bridge the gap. Our goodness is not good enough. And in Romans 3.23, we read that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. God has a goodness standard, and all of us have fallen short of it on our own. There's a gap between our goodness and God's standard of goodness. But God, in his love and his grace and his mercy, made another way. And 
God could see that people were failing at his standard of goodness, and God loved us so much that he bridged the gap between our goodness and his standard by sending his son, who lived a perfectly good life, to die in our place. And that's what the communion table is about this morning. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard of God. But then it goes on in verse 24, and it says, Yet now God, in his gracious kindness, declares us not guilty. He has done this through Jesus Christ, who has freed us by taking away our sins. Jesus bridged the gap, and when we put our faith in Jesus' goodness to save us, we don't ever have to wonder if we're good enough, if we've done enough good deeds yet. God invites us to accept what Jesus did for us on the cross and receive his righteousness as our own. Uh, look, with, look at one more verse from Romans uh, three twenty-six and 27. God is entirely fair and just in this present time when he declares sinners to be right in his sight because they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal, our acceptance, is not based on our good deeds. It's based on our faith. And that's the whole good news of the gospel. We can know that we have eternal life if we've placed our faith in Jesus. Our salvation, our righteousness, is based on what Jesus has done, not what we've done. In Ephesians uh, 2.8, this is our memory verse for this week, so let's read it together. It says, Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8. So it's free. It's grace. It's a gift. And I think that's one of the reasons that we can kind of get Uh, sucked into trying to be good enough and to try to find another way because free seems too easy, Uh, especially if you've got kind of a a checkered background. You know, there must be something that we have to do to earn this forgiveness, this, this new life. But God says it's not based on our efforts. It's a gift. It's free. And that's one of the things that's been kind of cool about the free store. Um, I was working in there the other day and this these two girls came in, and they started shopping around, and they picked out just a few items, a, a Harley-Davidson blue jean vest and some things like that. You know, they were young. And uh, they came up to the, the checkout, and they said, so what's the deal? Do we donate what? And I said, no, uh, it's free. And they're like, it's free? And I said, yeah, it's a free store. And they said, well, we saw the sign, but we thought there must be something more and I said no everything's free so that they they checked their stuff out and then they went out the door and the first one yelled at the top of her lungs it's free <laughs> and the other one said it's really free <laughs> they were like announcing it to the world like it was a surprise and um new life in Christ is free it's really free but, but you've got to sign up for it. And if you've been doing all the things that you think good Christians should do in an effort to get right with God, then, then you need to understand that that's not the way that God says that we do it. Christ's death 
is sufficient for everyone. But it requires this personal transaction of the work to be applied to each person's life. You have to receive it by faith. And if you've never done that, later in the service, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to, to pray that prayer with me and to ask Jesus Christ into your life. And as your, as your pastor, I want everyone to experience the goodness that God provides for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So you don't have to keep stumbling through life trying to meet a standard of goodness that you'll never obtain. So in the, in the time that we have left, we're going to look at how we can experience the goodness that Paul is speaking of in Galatians 5.22. And it's a goodness that's not dependent on our stumbling efforts, but that flows out of a life that has been given to Christ. So if you want to pull out your message notes, um, we're going to look at how to walk in step with Jesus' sure-footed goodness. And, And the focus of the message, the central truth that this is all built around that we've just been talking about, is right there at the top of your notes. And that is that goodness is the fruit of Christ's life in us. And that's the goodness that the Apostle Paul is talking about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit, the outcome of having Jesus' spirit in us. And like fruit on a tree, um, there are some things that we can do to see that fruit flourish, to nourish that tree so that it is more fruitful. So if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to look at a passage from Ephesians chapter 5, starting in uh, verse 8. And this is Paul writing. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. You can't have fruit without light, right? We know this from our everyday lives, but light with light and the right conditions, fruit grows. And the fruit that grows in our lives that we can expect to see when Jesus Christ is in us is goodness righteousness and truth and paul says that since we have this source of light jesus christ that we should live as children of the light and then he goes on and gives us two ways to do that two ways to experience more fruit more goodness righteousness and truth so the first is um, to find out what pleases the lord he says find out what pleases the lord and do do uh do that And you don't do this, as we talked about, to earn our way into heaven, but to live into the fullness of the life that Jesus came to give us. So how do you find out what pleases the Lord? You read God's word. You come to worship. You pray. You ask God. And you put yourself in those places where God can speak to you about what it is that is pleasing to him and how to live as his child. Find out what pleases the Lord and do more of that. 
Uh, look with me at Second Peter 1, 5, and 8, where Peter gives us uh, a list of things that are pleasing to the Lord. He says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So we, we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're not relying on our, our own goodness, but there's some things to add to it. Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. To mutual affection love. And um, both Peter and um, Paul are trying to convey the same thing in this uh, in their these passages of scripture and that is the power of God's goodness on display in our lives if we possess these qualities in increasing measure we won't be ineffective or unproductive in our Christian witness uh, in Ephesians Paul is speaking of our lives in terms of light and darkness and he said that once you were in the darkness uh, you were darkness and I thought it was interesting as I was studying this that he said once you were darkness. He didn't say you were in the darkness. He said you were darkness. And um, I was thinking about, have you ever been down in like the caverns, like Mammoth Caves or something in Kentucky or someplace, and they shut the lights off when you're down there and you can't even see your hand in front of your face? And... If you think of being in a place like that and every person in there is a dark is dark, you know this is the image that Paul's given us once you were darkness. If every person is dark, then you know everybody's just kind of groping along the walls find, trying to find their way out. But if there's one person in there who's light, then that changes everything then uh, that makes all the difference because now people can get their bearings, right? Now people can see which way to go. And in this scripture, uh, Paul is saying that the goodness shining from our lives as children of light is that kind of light for people around us who are living in the dark. God's goodness being made visible in increasing ways in our life points people to Christ. And that's why the second thing that Paul tells us to do as children of the light is so important, and that is to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, the kind of things that go on in the dark. Find out what pleases the Lord and do that, and then on the flip side, stop doing the things that cause you so much pain and uh, uh, brokenness before you knew Christ. In Scripture, goodness uh, always involves particular ways of behaving. Because God is good, uh, he is good to his people. And when God is good, uh, when people are good, they behave decently towards each other based on God's goodness to them. Goodness involves not only right behavior, but it also involves avoiding the opposite. As Paul calls it, the them deeds of darkness, and deeds of do, deeds of darkness have the opposite effect of good deeds. I was listening this week to a part of Billy Graham's message. I didn't get a chance to hear the whole thing. He was talking at, at the TED conference 
quite a few years ago. I just happened to come across it. But anyway, he was telling a story about uh, flying on an airplane with the mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. And on the, the same plane, uh, there was a drunk riding. And um, this drunk was being really obnoxious and pinching the stewardess and making rude comments to to uh, other women on the plane. And everybody was just kind of getting fed up with it. And finally, the mayor uh, said to this guy, he said, do you know who is sitting right over there? And the guy said, no, who? And he said, it's Billy Graham, the preacher. And, and the guy said, well, I'll be. And he said, put her there. Your sermons have certainly helped me. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter how many sermons you listen to if you don't live out the things that you hear, if you don't live out the things that you read in God's Word, you won't display the fruit of goodness in your life until you put off the old and put on the new way of living. And, of course, doing good isn't always easy, is it? Um, There are times when you do good and people return evil for good. There are times when they will continue to behave badly even though you show them goodness. Or they won't appreciate the good that you do. And it will take effort to add the fruit of goodness to your life. But goodness isn't defined by one good act, by one good hit, uh, or the occasional good deed, but rather a continual way of being that reflects the goodness of God. And to experience and live out Jesus' sure-footed goodness, um, number three, we'll need to persevere in doing good to others. God is the perfect example of goodness. He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, shows mercy to everyone. Uh, He helps those who stumble and fall. He's faithful to his promises. He cares about the needs of others. And by the Holy Spirit's power in us, we can reflect God's goodness to others and allow his goodness to flow through us. Look at Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Continue to do good, and in time you will reap a harvest, the fruit of goodness, if you do not give up. And this morning as we come to the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of God's Son, Jesus, who did not give up but persevered, persevered on the road to Calvary with sure-footed goodness. And as we follow in his footsteps, we'll see more and more of the fruit of goodness in our lives.